Hey everyone, I'm Jordy, the Bible School and Tech Director here, and welcome or welcome back to Impact Life Church's online experience. After the message, please take a moment to like or subscribe, but most importantly, we hope that this message inspires you to impact this generation for Jesus. I want to just share some things with you um, and kind of bring to your remembrance again just a few things that you already may know. And a lot of times you see that in the Bible, uh, you know, in 1 John especially, you see a lot of the times John writing to the Christians and he's saying, I'm not telling you this because you don't know it. I'm telling you this because you do know it. And I need to remind you again of what you already know. And uh, that's what I find even a lot of times in scripture and even in church things is I never want to come to the place where I know it all. Right? I don't know it all. I'll never know it all. What I'm thankful for is the Lord gives us glimpses into his word. But man, I tell you this, John 3, 16, we're going to be discovering the reality and the love behind that verse for eternity to come. I mean, we have not even unpacked all that John 3, 16 really means. And so I want to keep that attitude and keep that heart up towards the Lord so he can continually teach me. Because once you think you know it all, guess what? You know nothing. Merry Christmas. <laughs> And uh, so what I'm doing this morning is just, I'm going to remind you as we approach this season, this Christmas season, uh, I, I guess I kind of look at it, this as being the Christmas season now, it kind of begins for us. And I shared last time, I want to share with you this morning too, just, uh, you know, uh, Max is awesome for singing Christmas carols with. And if you ever want to sing, you need a singing buddy. Once you warm up to Max, you've got a singing buddy forever. And one of the things that, you know, he's been singing Christmas carols, but he's always asking questions about them. And uh, the first one that he's been asking, so we were in the car and he's, or Jamie was in the, the car driving and the song that was going was Hark the Herald Angels Sing. And I don't know what you parents, but you realize when you become a parent, how much you actually don't know. Anybody ever figure that out? Yeah, okay. I, all of a sudden they ask these questions and you give a thought and why that? Uh, I, I don't know. It's just what it is, right? And so with this song, so Hark the Herald Angels Sing comes on and he's going, who's Harold? <laughs> why are we harking to Harold? And, you know, that's a great question. Who's Harold? And so he's watching this show, Paw Patrol. And so for those of you who have young kids, I pity you. I understand the problem of listening and hearing some of these shows. But Harold, as I guess, is a little dog on that show. Or it's a guy. Sorry, it's a guy on that show. And so he, Max, in his mind, is going, hark the, oh, Harold. Why is Harold, why is Harold in this Christmas song? And he's, in his mind, he's thinking of this Paw Patrol guy. And then on top of it, we've been singing, you know, oh, tidings of comfort and joy, comfort and joy. Well, he goes around singing, tidings, I'm covered in joy, covered in joy. I am covered, I'm covered in joy. So he walks around and he, like while he's playing, he's making puzzles. What is he singing? I'm covered in joy, I'm covered in joy, I'm covered in joy. And I thought, yeah, that's good, Max. I was just, man, man, a boy. And then, hark the herald, herald, what are you doing in that song? Anyways. We are in the Christmas season, and uh, that's why we only play these songs for a month, because we we fall into singing that. But uh, this is what I want to remind us today, and I want to remind you of it, but in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, and in the Message Bible I'm reading, so if you're following on in your iPad or whatever, you can just hit the Message Bible. Uh, I'm going to read it to you, just kind of from after the first paragraph, it says, we don't have a priest. Do you all see that on the screen? All right, I'm going to just pick up from right there because I want to read verse 15 and 16 to you. And I'm going to just take this verse of Scripture and I'm going to just highlight it to you and I this morning. But it says here, we don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. I want to just read that to you again because this is one of my favorite just sentences that you can see in this passage of Scripture. But we don't have a priest, talking about Jesus, not talking about me, <laughs> talking about Jesus. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. 
What does he go on to say? He's been through weakness. He's been through testing. He's experienced it all. Can we say that together? He's experienced it all. He knows it all. He's experienced it all. All but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. And what I want to do this morning is just to remind you, because again, I know maybe Christmas is exciting for you, but as you may know that this world that we live in, it's not an exciting time because it brings up remembrance of, you know, strained relationships or loved ones that have passed away or just, you know, problems financially. There's, there's so many different things that try to come and attack at Christmas time. And so what I want to do is I want to bring an ease to you this Christmas season, because I know the, the goal that God has for you in my life is relax, is rest. The whole point that he came was for you and I to enjoy the works that he came to do for you and I. He didn't come to get you to do more stuff to get him happy. He came so that you could have rest and enjoy rest. And this is a verse of scripture that I want to just highlight to us this morning. So I'm going to just take it kind of sentence by sentence. And that first sentence being this is we don't have a high priest who is out of touch with our reality. And sadly to say, I mean, in 2019, a lot of people would have this thought that God is irrelevant to today that the scriptures, that the Bible is irrelevant to today, that there's no use for what God has to say. I mean, God may have even helpful in the 1400s or back when the Bible was written or even maybe before Jesus came. But now, 2019, man, there is so many problems. The, the things that you hear on the news and what people are thinking and imagining of today, there is just too much darkness in this world. There's no way that this God that you guys talk about, that this coming of a baby is able to solve all the problems. That's how they would view and say these just irrelevant. But I'm thankful that we have a God, as we see right here in this verse, and I believe what this Bible says, that he is not out of touch with our reality, that there is nothing too big, there is nothing too difficult for our God. No matter how difficult it may be, no matter how hard it may have looked like, may how your experiences may be, our God is not far and he is in touch with our reality. My God is in touch with my reality. So what I want to say right off the bat in this is that whatever your current state is, and again, I say the word current very, you know, there it is, is because your situations are constantly changing. No matter what it looks like, but your God is current and he's in the situation and he knows how you feel with it. You know, what does the world do when it doesn't know something? What does it do? They Google it, right? Or, hey, Siri, what about this? Anybody ever used that before? When my kids ask me a question, uh, Siri, I need you to make me look good. Oh, Siri just contacted Siri. And they'll, they'll be asking questions. Siri, what's the meaning of Christmas? Siri, what, how do I, you know, how do I get to this place? Siri, what do I do about this situation? Google, what do I do about this? Or Wikipedia, or, and they'll go and find different people, all these things. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But this is God's thought to this whole thing is that because of what we have and what we see, God didn't say, I don't want you to Google the answers. He says, I want you to Jesus it. I know we're so good at saying, don't just Google that. Well, God is saying with the problems of mankind that we face today, no matter how dark it looks like, God is saying to you and I, just Jesus it. Jesus is your answer for today, no matter what it looks like, no matter how difficult it may be, no matter how small it may be, Jesus has always been and will always continue to be the answer that you're looking for. Yay. I've heard that before. Good, but I'm reminding you again. No matter what it is that you're facing, Jesus is still and always be the answer. And I want to just show you a couple of verses in this. In John chapter 1, 
I mean, you think about it, everything that we hear and everything that we see going on, problems in the world. I mean, God looked down, if we just zoom out from God's perspective, and now here we are in heaven and God looks at this earth. He sees brokenness. He sees hurt. He sees disease. He sees lack. He sees poverty. He sees, you know, strained relationships. He sees this chaos. So what does he do? He sends a baby boy. He sends himself in human flesh to fix the needs. I mean, think about it. How is God going to fix all the problems that you may be see, experiencing? He did it through a man. Oh, and this is why we celebrate this Jesus. Right? In John chapter 1, verse 1, it says this. In the very beginning, the living expression was already there. And the living expression was with God, yet he was fully God. They were together face to face in the very beginning. And through his creative, excuse me, inspiration, this living expression made all things. For nothing has existence apart from him. Life came into being because of him. And I want to just give you the Aramaic Bible. Actually, if you, if you kind of do a little study on that, this phrase that you see, life came into being of him. The Aramaic actually says it like him. In him were human lives. In this living expression. Okay, I want you just to see this living expression for a moment. In this living expression, made all things. Life came into being because of this living expression. And this living expression, his life is the light for all humanity. Verse 5. And this living expression is the light that bursts through gloom. What else does it do? The light that darkness could not diminish. So let me just give you again the characteristics or the nature of this living expression. He said here, the living expression in verse 3, he made all things. This living expression is the light for all humanity. Verse 5, it says, this living expression bursts through gloom. I just love that part. It bursts right through it. No matter what it looks like, what does living expression do? It bursts through it. And then it says, it's also the light that darkness could never diminish. Oh, how, but this living expression, this is, this is amazing. How, how can I see this in my life? How can I participate in verse 14? Look at this. And so the living expression became a man. And what did it do? He lived among us. So this living expression that is light for all humanity, that bursts through gloom, that darkness could never extinguish it, what did he do? He came down as a human being, and not only that, he says, and we gazed upon the splendor of his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, overflowing with tender mercy and truth. Man, I'm thankful for that, that he came not with judgment and what's wrong with all y'all? Why can't you get this stuff figured out? What's, how come you're thinking like this? No, he came with mercy and truth to fix the current state that you're in. Woo, that's what he came to do. That's who our God is, right? So no matter, as I said, what your current state is, Jesus gets it. Maybe nobody else knows how you feel, but there's someone who does, and his name is Jesus. So how can we say all that? Because the next part of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15, it says, because he's, we have a high priest who is in touch with our reality. He's been through weakness. He's been through testing. He's experienced it all. And let me give you a couple of just thoughts to this. And we constantly see in the Bible, go to Philippians chapter two. Thank you guys for following me. Um, 
But in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 3, I don't have that on the screen, but it actually continually tells us to be mindful or rehearse in your minds again the life that Jesus had, the opposition that he faced on it in his life. And I'm going to just rehearse to you and I this, this morning a few things that Jesus had to rehearse, and this is just a small list compared to everything that he went through. But again, I want you just to keep it in perspective on according what's going on in your current life. And I'll read this before I rehearse a few of those. But Philippians chapter 2. Verse 6, it says, He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself in the form of a lowly servant. What did he do? He became human. Oh, man. Aren't you thankful for this living expression? Man, I thank you for the three people. Aren't you thankful that this living expression came down Listen, I want to encourage you, respond, man. When God is, I serve a big God. I serve a living expression that bursts through no, no matter what the situation is. No matter how bad it may be. I'm sitting in the coffee shop talking to somebody about the Lord. No matter how difficult it may be, the, the, this living expression, Jesus himself, he bursts through any kind of hopeless situation. That's what he masters in. That's what he does. He does best. Darkness can never extinguish it. No matter how stupid a mindset, no BB, no matter how big of a problem you may have experienced, his, the darkness can never extinguish the light. It can't. It never will. He said, can continue, he humbled himself and became vulnerable, choosing to be revealed as a man and was obedient. He was a perfect example even in his death, a criminal's death by crucifixion. So I'm going to just list off to you a few things this, this morning. Uh, just to rehearse in our minds the life that Jesus had and he went through. First of all, his birth was not welcomed by government and the entire city. So imagine thinking of that. You were born and all of a sudden the prime minister goes, shoot, this guy's born. Got to get rid of this guy. Welcome to the world, (laughs) right? And so actually, you know, Matthew chapter two, verse three, it says it like this. It says, King Herod was shaken to the core when he had heard this. And not only him, but all of Jerusalem was disturbed when they heard this news that Jesus was born. Because <laughs> you imagine, all of a sudden, a baby boy's born, and we hear, oh, he's born in Red Deer Hospital. Why, we got to do something about this. And then on top of it, what did Herod do? He went and go and killed all of the, the baby, all the male babies, two years and younger, he killed them all. Why? Because of the birth of this one. Man, that's wild. So right off the bat, you can see Jesus left there. Not only that, he's in refugee status. So him, you know, God told Joseph to flee and get out and take your wife to Egypt. And so there they are as refugees and they cross the border to another country. This is the very beginning of his life, right? So if anybody had an excuse not to want to be the savior of the world, it'd be him, (laughs) right? I mean, you think about it. Uh, Anyways, I'll just leave it there for a moment. In his ministry work, he was constantly misunderstood His own mother and brothers didn't believe him. They thought he was crazy. What did they do? They sat outside the meeting while Jesus had a big, you know, big conference going on. His brothers and mother stood outside and said, this this guy's nuts. You don't want to hang out with him. Some of you would have a complete mental breakdown if your mama never showed up to your event. (laughs) He was threatened to be killed by his own people continually. His closest friend and relative in ministry who knew him the best, John the Baptist, was murdered because of a drunken party, right? There's a crazy lady that was dancing. The king liked the way she danced. 
So what did she say? Mom, what do you want me to do? Let's, you know, kill John the Baptist. Give me his head on a platter. Jesus, his closest friend in ministry, his only relative who really knew who he was, was beheaded because of some prostitute. Yeehaw, right? Not only that, people continually, even you look after when this happened, people continually looked for Jesus, needing something by him and constantly were looking to get their needs met. They didn't want Jesus because of who he was all the time. They wanted him for what he could do. How would you like that? He was wrongfully accused. He was continually lied about. He lived lonely part of the time. He was beaten when, when talking about his death. He was beaten beyond recognition. He was sexually, emotionally, and physically abused by those Roman soldiers. And then on top of that, he died the death of a criminal on the cross. So this is kind of the life of Jesus. And I mean, a lot of times we see, we go, oh, the amazing side of it. But he came as a man. He didn't have all these godly emotions all the time. He experienced hurt. He experienced loneliness. He experienced defeat. He knew what it felt like, yet he never tapped into it. Why? So why did he have to go through all this? So that he could be a faithful high priest who knows exactly how you feel. So no matter what the situation is today, no matter how far you may feel away from God, he knows how you feel. Woo, that's good news. So nobody gets me. No, we probably don't. But there's someone who does. And his name is Jesus. So what do we do with someone? Okay, this high priest. Go back to Hebrews there for a moment, please, guys. And if you go to the, the next verse. Oh, yeah, right there. So he experienced, he's been through it all. He's experienced weakness. He's experienced testing. He experienced it all, all but the sin. So now what? What do I do? And especially in this Christmas season, I want to encourage you. This is what we do here. Let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. But first in this verse, I need you to see next thing is let's walk right up to him. We're not going to go, oh, God, come down to me. I need you to do this for my life. God, I need, I need you. To, if I could just have a touch from you, then everything would be okay. He already touched you. He already did it. So the Bible says, so let's walk up to him. My job is to approach him. I go to him, right? What does James 4, 8 tell us? Come close to God and what will happen? And God will come close to you. God is already here. Emmanuel, God with us. He's already here. Not only is he only here, he lives on the inside of me. So what do I need to do? I can just make a, uh, in my heart, God, I'm coming close to you. Lord, this, this is what's going on in my life. I'm coming close to you. I need this. I'm, there's a, a feeling of loneliness that I'm going through rather than just coming underneath it and go, yeah, I guess I'm just going to be lonely this Christmas. Change that. Let me encourage you, Christians, we got to be the happiest people on this planet. Yes, there may be some misses. Yes, there may be some, oh, you know, this is the first of this, or, you know, I don't have that. Of course you have those. There's nothing wrong with having that, but don't let it defeat you who you really are. Don't let it take you out so that you're actually of, of no use to reaching somebody else for the kingdom of God. Listen, we have hope. God gave us a big picture. And what does he do in Hebrews chapter four? He says, come to him. We're going to walk right up to him. Take what he is so ready to give. And I want to just share two things real quickly. What are two things that he wants to give? Number one, he came to give you hope. That's what he came for. He came to give you a brand new picture, rather of one of defeat, of discouragement, of despair, of illness, of constant losing. He came to show you a picture of victory. That his birth is not just this, oh, poor baby Jesus. No, he came and heaven got excited. Remember what the angels did when they were hanging around the shepherds? 
He says, hello, I mean, good morning, Jerusalem. And he got excited about it. Why, this is great news. That'll be great joy for everyone. So it has the potential to make this the best Christmas of your entire life is recognizing why he came. He came for me. He came for you. So what do we do? As I said, he came to give you hope. He came to give you an answer, to give you a different picture of what life can really be like. And we talked a whole lot about hope last week. So I'm encouraging you this Christmas, get a good picture of what Christmas is going to look like for you. I mean, this is something that, you know, we do at our house even too, is we got a December bucket list. This is what December is going to look like with the kids. This is what December is going to look like for our family. And we're choosing in advance to have a joyful, I'm covered in joy, covered in joy, covered in joy. We're going to hark some herald, whatever that is. Right? We're going to enjoy this time so that we in turn can be a blessing and pull somebody up with us. Man, this is what we need. Believers, this is who we are. That this is the strongest testimony we can be into this world is, man, where, where are all these happy people from? Where are these people that are covered in joy from? Oh, they're from that impact church over there. They're just covered in joy and they're harking herald and they're doing a bunch of stuff. Yeah, that's who we are. We're covered in it. Some of you still wondering, I don't want to hark any herald. Yeah, neither do I. I don't even know what that means, but we're, we're going to do it. And then the second part of it too is wisdom. What is he so ready to give? He's ready to give wisdom. So if there's something that's going on, you know, maybe there's a, a strained relationship or whatever it could be. It could be a problem that's going on in your, in your household. He came to give you wisdom. What's wisdom? Wisdom is the principal thing. And James chapter one, verse five, it says, if any man, it longs to be wise, ask God for wisdom and he will give it. What is wisdom? Wisdom is knowing what to do when you don't know what to do. <laughs> How many could use some of that? Oh yeah, man, I don't know what to do about it. But the wisdom of God takes it out of the, I don't know, to I know what to do. That's what I'm looking for for this Christmas, is I need wisdom. And he says he won't see it, your lack of wisdom, as an opportunity to scold you over your failures, but he will overwhelm your failures with his generous grace. So again, we're approaching him and saying, Lord, I need a new picture on this. Help me get a different image. Help me get a new thought. Or Lord, I need wisdom on this particular situation. Lord, I'm coming to you so that Christmas doesn't have to be a defeated time constantly. I'm looking to you for wisdom in this. And you, God paid too big of a price for you to be lonely, depressed, and laid down at Christmas time. <laughs> God went bankrupt to get you back, not to go, oh, it's just Christmas again. I hate this time of the year. No, embrace it. This is a good time. And you can get a new picture and that God can give you wisdom. And in Hebrews chapter 4, go back there for a sec, the main scripture. And he says, what else? So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy. And he goes on to say, accept the help. So I'm taking mercy and I'm going to accept what he's offering to me. Right? And so what are two things that God is able to help you and I with? Number one, this is from my, just my kind of personal experiences but i want to share them with you how does god help and a lot of times we think well god you know god if you could just come down and push or swoosh or kaboom or whatever right make something better that he would just do it that way but god doesn't do it that way that's not how he operates the number one way that i found that he operates is that he enlarges us on the inside oh i don't want to enlarge well let me give you a <laughs> A little example here, you know, naturally speaking, uh, my wife says careful, 
Uh, you know, right now, Jamie and I, we have three kids. We're going to have our fourth, and I found out last night it's in three months, not in four months. So not only that, it's in two months and 29 days. My clock is ticking, man, before four is coming. My clock. She's fine. My clock is ticking. So, you know, when you have your first baby and what happens, remember parents, the first time that baby comes, your life is, <laughs> what do they need? Are they sleeping okay? Like, I remember we had, um, what did you have again, Jamie? Like those, those, um, no, not goggles, but nighttime vision, like the little, to look into the crib. It, monitors, thank you. Playing charades. And y'all are just, ah, intercom? Yeah, intercom. 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 Okay, okay. Uh, what was the word though again? Monitors, yeah. <laughs> so, mon- But for the first one, you buy like three or four monitors. You put one like over top of the bed. You put one to the side. You're basically like spying on your kid to make sure they're okay. Right? Your whole world is completely turned upside down. You don't sleep. Nothing just really happens. And you're just like, what do I do with this? And you find yourself crying more. Not me. I'm fine. I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, what happens over a period of time, you kind of get into a routine. You start to get to know your child and it goes, okay, that, that's good. What happened between the, oh my goodness, how do I do this? And yeah, I, I, I got this. Your capacity grew. There's something on the inside that expanded going, yeah, I I can do this. I I got this. And then guess what happens? Your wife gets pregnant again somehow. And what happens? You got a second kid on the way. Now you all of a sudden have another baby and all of a sudden now there's two. So you're playing man to man, right? Okay, I got this. I can work this out. Okay. And over a period of time, you're just, how do I do this? And then over about a few months again, what's happened? Your capacity has grown. And then... Because you dress up all in black and look slimming, your wife is like, hey, you're looking good tonight, sir. And you have a third baby. Now what happens? Now I'm not playing man to man. Now I'm playing zone. Right? Now I'm playing zone. Okay, boy, I got the boys. You got the girl. And now we're trying to work all this stuff out. Right? We finally get into a bit of a routine. Everything seems to be good. Only to find out you're having a fourth. I'm fine. Actually, I'm excited about it because in come March... What's happening? My capacity is going to be expanded again, right? And for some people in this church, they don't stop at four. They go to five. Some people go to six and Lord, then you're just Amish, right? Then I don't know what, what to do with you. That's just, that's just it. The Lord said, I, I, I don't know what, what else to do. But what's happening is you're naturally speaking, you are being enlarged, right? Your capacity has grown. Well, God does the same thing spiritually speaking. I mean, if you look at the life of Jesus, all that he went through, the man was 30 years old when he started ministry. A lot of people go, oh, that's just so young in ministry. He did it at 30 and accomplished an eternal salvation for us in three and a half years. He went through all that he went through, naturally speaking, emotionally speaking, physically speaking, spiritually speaking. How did he do all that? He enlarged himself. His capacity was so big that he could take the Pharisees or the leaders of the church in that day, take their criticism, and yet not even let that move him to continue what God asked him to do. A lot of people would be taken out by that, right? Somebody wants to stone him because of what he's preaching. What am I going to do? No, his capacity was enlarged. He wasn't moved by what he saw. God expanded his capacity, so he fulfilled the call of God on his life. You and I, as believers, we have got to let our capacity expand. Let it grow on the inside. Because listen, God loves you, but with small capacity, God's not able to use you the way that he destined and predestined for you to operate by. 
we got to expand this. So when tough times come, don't go, oh, great. How am I going to get through this? See it now. See it. This is see it, right? Not monitor. Now we're seeing it as an opportunity for my on the, me on the inside to expand to what he told me to, what he told me he would do. He's accept, he's offering some help. I'm going to take it. Okay, God, let's expand it. Because I'm not going to go through the same thing year after year. I've met people, and every year Christmas is crappy for them. Why? Well, this happened. Can I just encourage you? It's time to expand ourselves on the inside. Rather than constantly being the one, oh, man, I just, I have this. And if you need help, that's great. We're here to help. But if you are in the same boat for 15 years... You need to change that so that now, rather than you always constantly needing it, now you can turn and say, let me help you pull you out of this pit. So because why my capacity has grown, let me help you. We got to grow up in some of these things. But that's not to say, if oh, of course, there's stuff that comes up that you have no handle and you can't do anything about. Sometimes life just comes at you, right? And I understand this. So make sure you hear me on this. If you need help, ask for help. If you don't ask for help, it's unable to get help to you. So make sure you do, right? Okay. So how does he do that? Psalm chapter four, verse one, he's going to enlarge me. God, you are my righteousness, my champion defender. Answer me when I cry for help. Whenever I was in distress, this is David talking. When I was in distress, what did you do? You enlarged me. It's not like David went from five foot 11 to six foot 10. And now he's like, oh, sweet. Look at this. I can take that client. No, he was got bigger. Where? On the inside. You enlarged me. I'm being squeezed again. I'm sure Bob people could say that I'm being squeezed again. My job is doing this again. My spouse is saying this again. My kids are acting like this again. I'm being squeezed again. I need your kindness right away. Other word for kindness is actually grace. I need your grace right away. Grant me your grace. Everybody say that with me. Grant me your grace. And you know, who does God give grace to? The prideful or the humility? The humble. He gives it to the humble. God, I need your grace. Hear my prayer and set me free. So rather than God just coming in and going, ding, everything's fine. He wants you to understand the enlarging process. God, I need your grace. And what is the great grace really is an enlarging tool that God uses to overcome any situation that may come your way. What may used to bother you last year no longer bothers you anymore. Well, how is that? The grace of God has expanded you on the inside. Your capacity has grown. Woo, I love that. And so what does God do? Rather than just fixing it, as I said, but he starts to reveal who you are in him and who he is in you. Man, you see that constantly. First Samuel 30, what did David do? He encouraged himself in the Lord on a continual basis. What did he say? The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my rock. He is my salvation. With whom? Men, men, they can't touch me. People can't touch me. Whom shall I be afraid? This is how he encouraged himself. So if you're feeling down in the dumps, the, role, the goal is not to find somebody else and join in the dump with you. It's for you to pull yourself up or get somebody else, some faith buddies to pull you out and say, who am I again? Tell me, who am I? And they start telling you, you are the righteousness of God. Yeah, this may be a situation you're facing, but greater is he that's living in you. Man, you can do all things because Christ is in strengthening and empowering you. That's what we're looking for. This Christmas season is going to be the best one you've ever seen. Oh, why? Because God is on the inside of you working to fulfill what he's called you to do. He's not relaxing his hold on you. So don't you relax your hold on what he said. Don't let that go. Amen.
Okay. I'm happy. I'm just. So how does he help me to grow? Number one, he enlarges me on the inside. And secondly, I'll close with this. But he tells me to give him my worries and my concerns once and for all. This is so vital to you and I because worry and fear is the opposite of being enlarged. Worrying and fear and stress and anxiety actually constricts you. You become smaller in your vision. You become smaller in your hearing. You become smaller just overall. And all you see now, because what you focus on, you magnify. It becomes smaller and smaller and smaller. All of a sudden, you're looking at this little issue, and it's become your life. This is what's going on. This is what's happening. Meanwhile, you're missing everything that God's doing on the outside. And I'm going to show you this. Look at this, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Again, in the Passion, he says, pour out. Everybody say, pour out. So this sounds to me that you're able to vent to God. God's okay with you venting. He's happy with that. Why? Because he actually wants you to give it all over. Pour out all of your worries, all of your stress. Other translations actually say all of your anxieties. Why? Upon him and leave them. Come on, say it. Leave them where? Not here. Going to do God no good if they're stuck up here. Leave them there once and for all, for he always, what? Tenderly cares for you. So who cares about your life? Jesus does. Who cares? I don't. Anybody ever say that to you? Well, who cares? I don't. Well, that could be sound real offensive to some people. I actually don't care about your life. Why? What good am I going to do caring about you? What good are you going to do about caring about me? Now, caring is different than thoughtfulness or, man, I have, a, I have an interest. I have an interest and concern, and I want to make sure you're doing okay. That's different than I'm taking on the burden of how you're feeling, of what's going on. I ain't going to do any good for you. So God is saying, I want you to pour out all of your worries, all, everybody say it with me, all, all of your concerns upon him and leave them there. Why? Because he cares for you. He cares. He is a care taker. That's what he does. The same way you hire somebody to you know, water your lawn for the week of summer that we have and to maybe shovel your snow when you go on holidays. You ask somebody to take care of your home. Well, God is the perfect caretaker of your life. That's what he does. Amen. This is what he does. <clears throat> okay, because most concerns, as I said, are focusing on getting something. When you're worried or anxious about something, your focus is on me trying to get something, right? I need this change. I, I need this to happen in order to be okay. And so your focus has moved from receiving to now I need to get. Can you, can you see that? What does fear do? Fear is gripping in, or anxiety or stress. I need to get this in order for this to be okay over here. And God is telling you and I, stop it. Stop that. Stop trying to get so that you can actually respond to receiving. Your life is not about you getting. Your life is about you receiving and releasing what God already gave you. This is the Christian life, y'all. Are you hearing me? I'm not trying to get this. I'm not trying to make that relationship work. I'm not trying to make this do better. I'm not trying to get a better job. I'm not trying to get a better wage. My job is to respond to his giving. That's my life. So the position has shifted, right? Because how many times of our prayers going up to God saying, God, I need this. I need that. I need this. And if this doesn't work, I don't know what I'm going to do. Jesus is actually trying to tell you and I to stop that position because it's creating a mindset in your life of constantly getting that you're always in need. 
where now we are living out of thank you posture rather than ha. Ah. That's what fear tries to do. That's why he says, pour it all out on him because he cares for you. And God takes care of what he owns. <laughs> and he owns me. He's taking good care of me and he's going to do the same thing for you. And he'll do the same thing for this impact family. I believe that. Let me show you this, Matthew 6, and then I'm done here. <clears throat> so what do I do instead of worrying about getting and trying to receive things and get things in life? My focus is on seeking him, getting with him. And I'll just read this part to you, kind of jumping into the middle of Jesus' teaching. So I encourage you, maybe read it in, in context, and I'm sure a lot of you know these verses already. But if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, and this is Jesus talking about clothing here, most of which have never been seen. And I've been on some hikes and you see some of those wildflowers that nobody ever sees and they're beautiful. So God's, Jesus is saying, he's taking care of wildflowers that you don't even see. Don't you think that he'll attend to you? Don't you think that he would take pride in you and do his best for you? What I'm trying to do, this is Jesus' words now. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax. <sighs> to relax to not be so preoccupied with getting so that you can respond to God's giving. I'm going to read that part to you again. Jesus is trying to get you and I to relax. Everybody say relax. Anybody ever say that to somebody before? Just chill out, man. Anybody ever say that to their spouse before? What has happened when you say you need a chill pill and here you go? How has that turned out? They do the opposite of chilling. They freak out. Well, Jesus is telling you and I, take a chill pill. Chill pill for you. Chill pill for you. Chill out. Why? Because when you are chilled, when you are relaxing, God is able to work on your behalf. That's why I honestly believe that he gave us sleep. Because when you're finally sleeping, God's able to do something. Right? Because rather than you try to figure it all out, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. Go to bed. <laughs> Just go to bed. What did God do in order to get Eve to Adam? He put him to sleep. <laughs> Man, Adam, stop trying to, you know, find an animal that's going to be your... Stop it. Just go to bed. So he put him to bed, tucked him in with some leaves, put him in such a deep sleep and pulled a rib out of him. That's a deep sleep, y'all. I don't know if you ever thought about that. Man, I, I wake up as soon as if somebody turns my doorknob. Huh, what? He went into Adam, pulled out a rib and said, give me that. I'm going to show you a woman. And made a woman for him. And that's something else, man. That's a, that's a deep sleep. But he tells you to relax, to not be so preoccupied. Don't be preoccupied. Say with me. I'm not going to be preoccupied with what? With getting. My life is not about getting. My life is about responding to God's giving. He goes on to say, people who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. So what do I do now? I'm going to steep my life in God realities, in God initiatives, in God provisions. This is how I'm going to live my life. So your life is a tea bag. See, everybody got your Earl Grey tea bag. You see it right there in front of your eyes. Where are you throwing your tea bag? Are you steeping it in the world? Are you just letting yourself marinate in there a little bit? What's going to happen? World's thinking, world's thoughts, world's way of living. Jesus is telling you, get your tea bag out of there 
and put it back into steep your life into God reality, into God initiatives, into God provisions. Then he goes on and finally finishes off. Don't worry about missing out. There's no more FOMO here. Fear of missing out is gone. I'm not going to fear of missing out. You'll find out that all of your everyday human concerns will be met. Isn't that amazing? And that's what everybody's looking for at Christmas, right? They're looking for human needs to be met. Like, I need this, God. I need to have this. And I just, I just need a good turkey dinner. God will take care of all this as long as I'm putting my teabag in the proper spot. And when I mean teabag, I'm also meaning my mindset. I'm going to just constantly put my mind into God provisions, God initiative, God provisions. This is where I'm constantly putting my mind to rest. So this Christmas season, who cares about your life? Jesus does. Jesus does. Do you care about your life? Okay, three people said no. Some of you are thinking about it. Who cares about your life? Not me. I don't care about my life. Who does? Jesus does. And he is the good shepherd. And he will never, ever relax his hold on you and I. So this Christmas season, this is what we're doing as a church family. And at the same time, because we know this. Hey, thanks for listening. If you live in the central Alberta region of Canada, we would love to have you come out and check out one of our weekend messages. For more info on all of our directions, service times, and children's programs, visit our website at impactlife.ca. That's impactlife.ca.